man, I need TV when I got T-Rex. This sarcastic line, written by David Bowie and originally sang by Mott the Hoople frontman Ian Hunter in the song All the Young Dudes, is perhaps the most obvious nod to Bowie's friend and rival in glam rock, Mark Bolan. If Bowie had written the song two years earlier, he would have wound up with a far clumsier line, as Bolan's musical duo has still had its full name at the time, Tyrannosaurus Rex. The original duo, consisting of Bolin and drummer Stephen Peregrine Took, were known for making psychedelic folk music consisting of poetic nonsense lyrics sung by Bolin to the accompaniment of his acoustic guitar and eccentric percussion provided by Took. Took was fired from the band after his relationship deteriorated with Bolin and replaced with percussionist Mickey Finn. Finn and Bolin recorded the fourth studio album, A Beard of Stars, under the original name. The next Bolin-Finn album bore the new name and a new sound. Electric Warrior by T-Rex, released in 1971 and pioneered the glam rock genre, which dominated sound waves in the mid-1970s. The high-energy album hit number one on the UK charts, and the single, Bang A Gong, went on to become the band's only hit in the United States. Although the album is largely composed of upbeat, arena rock-style bops, there are several tracks where the old Tyrannosaurus Rex style shines through, and we're able to see a darker side to Bolin's writing. Pitchfork writer Brian James said of the album, Quote, the most significant aspect of Electric Warrior isn't its arena rock confidence. It's that Bolin allows his grinning mask to slip on ballads like Monolith and Girl. He speaks in the same gibberish as elsewhere, but he's clearly haunted. By what? We can't say. Monolith and Girl may be haunting tracks, but no other track seems to haunt so much as the ballad I omitted from that quote. Though not released as a single, this track has made several appearances in pop culture, including the films Velvet Goldmine and Billy Elliot, as well as the Netflix documentary Dancing with the Birds and the Netflix series Sex Education. That's right, we're talking about Cosmic Dancer by T-Rex on Cover Me. I dance myself right at the wall. myself right at the wound Is it strange to dance as soon that's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one will dance its way into the tomb. I'm your host as always, The Snake, joined by my balloon-like co-host... Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. Mildenberger. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing all right. I, I haven't had much to add to that in uh, in in a little while. Let's see if I have something now. Um, um, I've been I've been uh, uh, doing doing some light carpentry, a little bit of box building. Hell yeah! Building the box, a little bit of beatboxing too. Building the box, beating that box uh, with a hammer uh, to get the nails in to hold it together. Um, now nah, I'm using screws. But uh, okay. it's a box for a, uh, a theremin, building a theremin still. Probably mentioned that before. Um, Hell yeah, you must be close to done on that thing. Uh, I, yeah, it's the box, really. That's that's all I really need that's holding you up. now. Because the, the, the circuitry itself works. Uh, but it it's the physical nature of the instrument is, is such that uh, you kind of need a box to hold the antennas in place. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Um, Alex, number one theremin jam. What is it and why? I feel like we discussed this. Uh, theremin. It might have been off air, though. <laughs> oh, maybe. Um, oh, jeez. I don't know, man. I always think of, of like, uh, uh, good vibrations when I think of a theremin. But, you know, stuff from just, like, weird sounds, which isn't a song, obviously, or a jam, but just, like, weird, like, horror movie alien sounds. 
general. Oh hell yeah, that's a jam. Pre-salvage jam, <laughs> and then and then I think I've referenced this before, but there's like a uh, a video of uh, an Ennio Morricone uh, song on on YouTube, and it's like the something of gold. I want to say heart of gold, but I don't think that's it. Oh, we we've done this before. We have done yeah. this, and maybe on air. You're right, because I I've Googled this. And it's called like the the gold fucking luster in the of eye. There's ecstasy of gold. That's it. That I was think of because because yeah. I watched it on uh, on YouTube one time. <sighs> um. Okay. So this is tread over ground, Alex. That's yep. great. Tell me about your relationship with the the hit band T Rex. Hit band T Rex. Um. T Rex. Uh, you mentioned they're like one North American hit. Bang a gong. Uh, that's one that I've just kind of always know, like not always, but since I got into like classic rock when I was probably ten or eleven, uh, has one that's a song that was always played on the radio a fair amount and that I always liked. And uh, later in sort of my late teens, I I listened to some Electric Warrior and then there's uh, their next album, The Slider. Um, mm-hmm. I really like both of those and uh killer albums yeah looked at well, one of the big things for me was um seeing the album artwork from from electric warrior and at the time i felt like it was so sly i was like you know slash is actually just look <laughs> actually just kind of looks like mark bolin uh so that yeah. was one of the big reasons i i like was interested in mark bolin as like a rock and roll character because his look was kind right. of he is a character borrowed in some ways uh by well slash in particular is who i was thinking of but you know yeah but also he he really kind of set up a lot of the glam rock style he put like little glitter teardrops on his face on a tv performance i think for top of the pops right um which really kick-started those kind of things in gear and then yeah he got the top hat and yeah he just liked to be a little weirdo on stage and sing his little weirdo songs um, I knew the song, uh, Bang a Gong, Brackets Get It On. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's radio classic, hear it all the time. So for me, I was kind of like, okay, I don't need to, I don't need to ever delve into this. And then I read a, a Bowie biography and it was like, oh, Muck Bolin and David Bowie were rivals. I was like, well, Mark Bolin can suck it then. <laughs> I'm never going to listen to T-Rex in my life. Um, uh, so I like didn't for a while. I think you like made me listen to some T-Rex and probably like, I listened to I probably did. Warrior one time in your car and I was like, okay, maybe I should I should get into T-Rex. And yeah, just a just a phenomenal I, I guess artist you could say, because Mark Bolin really is T-Rex plus whatever drummer he manages to loop into his projects. <laughs> right, right. Um I like T-Rex. I like Tyrannosaurus Rex as well, but I think I am more familiar with the Mickey Finn era of T-Rex. Uh my most upsetting thing about t-rex is i think my favorite album there's might be a beard of stars and it's you can't find it on on spotify yeah i've not really listened to it or i've not listened to it myself so. yeah because where the fuck can you find it yeah you can't but i mean i really do like electric warrior and the slider uh and there was also a bonus disc on the slider because i got a physical cd uh Ooh. from the library uh, and it had a, a like bonus disc of demos, and the, I I don't know where you can find that. It was called Rabbit Fighter: The Alternate Slider, so it had like some acoustic versions of some of the songs, and I thought it was pretty good. It's pretty cool, but uh, it's also unfortunately not on Spotify. 
Yeah. Um, and I know that that sucks, but it's also kind of neat in a way to, to that we're in the area of like the digital. Yeah, it's like, like I have files on my computer that aren't things. like widely available. Although you can probably get it somewhere. Like I'm sure you could, you could find a download, a torrent or whatever. But, oh yeah, uh, there's probably a YouTube video of it all. And but yeah, it's it's bizarre to have like like CDs. Like they'll put bonus tracks on on a, a you know whatever anniversary re-release or whatever remaster that's from like the 90s or the early 2000s kind of thing. Um, but it's not really, it wasn't like on the original album. So when they release it again in some other souped up digital form, it doesn't have the bonus tracks. And they're like, wait, where are the bonus tracks? Are they on something else? And then it's like, wh- what's the availability there? It's low. Yeah. And how, how do you decide like when, when a bonus track is or is not a part of the, the album as a whole, right? On a yeah. Re-release? Like, um, uh, what is it? There's a, there's a, uh, Jethro Tull song that was it's like like they'll put singles tack them onto the end of you know your re-releases right so I, mm-hmm. I I listening to the album didn't realize that it's not technically on the album you know I, I think it was yeah oh yeah I've listened to special yeah. editions of albums and then gone to the regular edition I'm like well, wait a second where's where's this where's song? this this ending row of these cool songs <laughs> like there's a there's a song on um. Even the next day, David Bowie's uh, mm-hmm. pen, penultimate album, there's one of the bonus tracks from the version I got that's like not on the Spotify version, and it's not on the like bonus track spot because there's also like an EP that had some of the extra bonus tracks, um, right. and it's not on either one of those. But to me, it's like part of the album. But and I don't, I can't remember the name of the song off the top of my head. Mm. Um, that is but I'm, I'm a, I like that song but then it's just like I have to listen to my old like my files you know I can't just go on Spotify it's a little right. a little inconvenient I think it's a little inconvenient I want to say it's so she is so she not part of the that's crazy yeah that, so it's I, like it's not on Spotify and but it's just like on yeah my CD anyway so that kind of stuff so that's one of the cool things about about t-rex is that comes up and also uh the bowie uh connection which kind of reignited my interest probably i would say in in t-rex after reading Mm. that same book you you were mentioning yeah uh bowie by mark spitz i believe yeah and mark mark bullen's also kind of like he's an interesting character and he died fairly young so yeah he did and surprisingly not of drugs just of even though he was in the throes of of drug addiction for a good portion of yeah. his life he died in a car accident just like a presumably unrelated car accident which is he wasn't driving he, he actually couldn't drive oh although right. he owned owned a rolls royce i was uh just i was i found this while i was doing some research on his and bowie's relationship uh but yeah couldn't drive and yeah so like him and bowie shared the same manager that's how they met yeah, and they have because, some similar... Not because similar... of a musical collaboration, mind you, but because yeah. they were both doing poorly and went to paint their manager's office together. <laughs> and then, I mean, uh, you can see little little references to the relationship. In particular, there's a, a David Bowie song called Black Country Rock off of, um, uh, off of The Man Who Sold the world. the world, which is like pretty clearly uh, a reference to Mark Bolan like his singing style oh yeah in part got a bit of that yeah. yeah got a bit of that edge to it also of course the song lady stardust 
which uh, the demo title was He's All Right, brackets, a song for Mark. <laughs> About going up on stage with glitter on your face and makeup. Yeah. Which, yeah. So yeah, the two are indelibly intertwined, but we're not talking about that today. We're talking about the song sure. Cosmic Dancer, which I thought for some reason would be a single, but it, it's not. It's just become very popular sort of over time. I mean, the whole album's popular, but this one seems to be emerging as some sort of like new classic. Yeah, well, uh, you, uh, you mentioned yeah. most of the covers are very recent. Mm-hmm. Like in the last couple of years. So there seems to have been some sort of <laughs> something that happened that caused it to become more popular. Possibly that caused it to emerge. Uh, yeah. It was. You said it was in Sex Education. It was in Sex Education. It was. In, it's in some movies from like the '90s and stuff too, yeah. early 2000s. So like it's always been kind of in there. But like when you think of Electric Warrior, you think of Bang a Gong. Um, and then after that, it's it's anybody's guess, right? Yeah, uh, I Alex, think they had some other uh, hits like in the UK, but definitely not here. Yeah, definitely not here. Alex, of this album, Electric Warrior, what are some of the standouts for you? Is Cosmic Dancer oh one God. of them? Or? Honestly, I didn't listen to Cosmic Dancer a whole lot, but I used to listen to this a ton. Like, Jeepster. I like Jeepster, possibly just because of the name. Lean Woman Great Blues name. is a lot of fun. You get that oh, yeah. good, like, there's a lot of, like, good blues sounds on here. I mean, that was one yeah. of the sort of criticisms, I guess. Uh, or maybe just critique i don't know um summaries of of mark Bolin's work because it's a lot of like just old blues riffs that he's pretty much directly repurposed right well there's a lot of complaints there's complaints about his earlier stuff too that it's all too folky and too airy fairy but like he does competent rock and roll and they're like well it's just the blues like they just didn't seem to like mark (laughs) Bolin in his time yeah i've also heard and this is just a casual comparison i think i saw in a comment uh someone who say they think of mark bolan in a similar vein uh to kurt cobain where mm. it's just like very catchy like well-made melodic music that's like good to kind of sing along to even though it's kind of in the vein of whatever the music was of the day but at the end of the day it's just it ends up being very crowd-pleasing even though we don't necessarily think of nirvana in that way but if you look at i mean we talked about smells like teen spirit there's a lot of like very strong melodic right. aspects to it. They, they, yeah, they're so emblematic of their genre that it it teeters on both like parody and the <laughs> most pure form of that thing. Yeah, so like his his psychedelic folk stuff almost sounds like because he he's got his like dragons fierce and druids tears. So you're like <laughs> okay, but uh, at the same time you're also like yeah fuck yeah like this guy is onto something. <laughs> so yeah, I would agree with that. Is that while it's not like the most technical music proficiency there there is like a sound proficiency to it there's a catchiness there's an understanding of what's good to the ear yeah and an understanding of whatever their genre is whether they're thinking in terms of genre or not that really like you know makes it a a, a high point of the, the genre yeah. that they're a part of yeah but like honestly there's a ton of songs off electric warrior that like i just recommend listening to it like it's just oh, really yeah. good. Front to back, it's like just rip a off. jam. Rip off's good, like a little bit harder song. That's a rip off. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you get a little bit of a, a reprieve. There was a time, a little slower, a little more spacey again. Uh, yeah, yeah, Planet yeah. Queen, good stuff. King of the Mountain, come. Just a lot of a lot of good stuff. And then the interview at the end, where he talks about how they um, like to put two songs on a side of a of a, like a forty five. <laughs> Oh yeah, for, for value for the fans, and I was like, "Yeah, I support that." 
Thanks, I know, and man. having never bought a 45 like, yeah, in my life. I don't buy 45s. I buy singles. Like, ridiculous. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Um, I think a quote he mentions on that interview, I'm not sure if it's there or somewhere else, but he does talk specifically about Cosmic Dancer briefly, and he says, quote, this is a song about reincarnation. Yeah. Actually, that's on the Acoustic Warrior album. Yeah, yeah and I looked up a little bit, like, what is the origins of the phrase cosmic dancer like what does it mean Mm -hmm. and it's related supposedly to this this um um, nataraja which is a depiction of of shiva so it's like it's like hindu related yeah and there is signs of uh hindu influence even early on in uh Boland's career it says he's inspired he was inspired by an influential performance by Ravi Shankar who is a uh, I believe an eastern yeah artist. that's there's a oh there's a song that says that those syllables mm. Ravi Shankar I don't remember what it is though anyway um but yeah there's a lot of it's kind of I think it's related to like a new age mysticism right because like this is the early 70s really Mark Boland is like coming off of like and a part of like hippieism at the time, yeah. which was very um, involved, I'll say, in that idea of like uh, using substances to open your mind, and and it's like very inspired by, I'll say, exotic religion, like right oh, from from the Western standpoint. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's like, I mean, we saw you know the Beatles went to India on, uh, I don't remember the specifics like but you know they went on their like pilgrimage or whatever like mm-hmm. it's it's coming out of that right so that yeah so there's this depiction of shiva as the cosmic dancer so there's like and there's like two dances associated there's a dance of creation and there's a dance of uh, it was it said dance of bliss but apparently it's a it's associated with destruction but specifically destruction of like weary worldviews was the quote so it's like okay. your old self dying and being reborn as something new which again is like related to this idea of opening your mind and becoming a better person through that sort of meant psychological change so it's very tied in with this like again like old world religion concept but also kind of new age spirituality thing that co-opts that imagery and that those concepts in this vaguer um amalgam of just kind of ideas yeah to sort of like reiterate on what i said before before we get into this this is both like highly emblematic of that hippie era like it is like a front runner in this sort of songwriting mm-hmm. and it all it could almost be parody because it's really like the same <laughs> line like 10 times right right yeah uh, but you're right it really is like and i think it's i think it is safe and fair to to use that the shiva and the the what is it the nataranja as like yeah. sort of the base point of this song i think that's probably a safe bet um yeah, and so with that, let's let's dive into these lyrics, which begins, I was dancing when I was 12. I was dancing when I was 12. I was dancing when I was out. I was dancing when I was out. Yeah, I don't really know what he means. I was dancing when I was out. Because mm-hmm. later, now, later on he says, I danced out of the womb. But it's like, that he hasn't said that yet, so we don't have that. I don't know. Yeah, and so I, I think this is about... I think maybe dancing is the this mindset you've kind of talked about in your description of the the dance of 
the, the two dances of Shiva, sort of creation and right. destruction. Um, he's got a, a new age perspective, basically. So when he was 12 years old, he was dancing. He was, he was living life in this sort of divine form where he, you know, he creates and destroys in an appropriate fashion, I guess, in a, a fashion that could be considered design. He's living divinely, right? It, this sure. is the way to live. Sure. I guess, yeah, it's like the innocent mind of a child kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then there's also, like, wisdom in it. There's, it, it's, dancing is, seems to be displayed, because we get the lines, is it strange to, strange to dance so soon? Is it strange to dance so late? Thrown in at interchangeable periods when he, when he talks about his age. So it seems to be both childlike in some senses, but also, like, old and, and wizened in another. Um, as far as I was dancing when I was out goes, I think you might be right. It might just relate to out of the womb, just like when he was out or like when yeah. he was in public. And some of some it people... kind of just seems like nonsense. Like yeah, exactly, th- there's right? real it's... concepts here, but in terms of the lyrics, I don't know that every line means something. Yeah. I don't know if it's all quite so, uh, so hard, but that's also the Bolin style. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's, it's, so whether it is genius songwriting or just like a little bit of <laughs> smoke up your ass. Hard to tell, but that's yeah. kind of what makes T-Rex compelling. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of ways. Um, and then, yeah, moving on into the next section. Now, uh, Genius breaks this. It says verse, chorus, verse, verse, bridge, chorus. It's but really just verses. Yeah, it? it's like a bunch of stanzas, basically. And some of them kind of have a refrain, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's yeah. not, yeah, always the same thing. Uh, so the second section is, uh, I dance myself right out the womb. I dance myself right out the womb. Is it strange to dance so soon? I dance myself right out the womb. And I guess one note real quick. That structure, there's sort of two structures here where he repeats two lines and then two lines. Uh, and then in this, or there's a couple, but in this one, he has a single line he says in the first, second, and fourth lines, and then a different line in the third, which is related to like blues structure, where you have your oh, like okay. re- repetition of something twice, and then your sort of turnaround or your like other concept, and then your final one where you repeat the first one again. Like, right, sort of, yeah, verse one's yeah. basically A, A, B, B, and then uh, the verse two, or chorus one, yeah. if you're a genius, is basically <laughs> C, C, D, C. Yeah. So, Brain anyway, a, just, just a note on structure there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, now this, I, I, I've listened to this song for a while. What, what it always made me think of, and I don't know if this is exactly original intent, but maybe it doesn't matter. Um, when he starts to ask, is it, is it too soon? Is it too late? Um, as someone who was, like, growing up at the time, still obviously to a degree, but, like, I was in my late teens, um, there was a lot of questions of like, can I like achieve more in my life? Like, is it too late to start learning something or something like that? Um, mm. Something I actually see a fair amount in like, like forums on the internet. Someone would be like, I'm 20. Is it too late for me to start learning to play the piano? And then everyone's like, no, that's ridiculous. Like, it, yeah, it doesn't seem ridiculous at the time because of the way we, you know, tr- treat, yeah. treat the, uh, becoming an adult or whatever it really yeah. seems like oh this is the end of my life I, if i haven't done anything by now i'll never do it kind of thing um yeah, exactly but that's what i thought of in when i listened to this song when i was younger was like that uncertainty of of how to do things right yeah 
as you age. I think I wonder if that's it. It seems to me because he's quite confident that he was dancing out of the womb. He's not yeah. saying, "Well, like, did I dance correctly, or should I continue to pursue the path of dance?" Like, it's not vocation. True. I guess it's more asking. so the dance so late thing. But then it's kind of all over the place because he says, "Like, I was dancing when I was eight. Is it strange to dance yeah. so late?" And it's like, but that's very young, also. <laughs> Yeah, it is very young also. And he was dancing when he was 12 at the start. I, why is that age chosen? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of strange things in this. But yeah, is it strange to dance so soon? As uh, Kipple Snipper in the comments helpfully tells us, yes, it is. Usually babies start walking at 9 to 12 months. So dancing yourself out of the womb is definitely an accomplishment. Mm. Apparently Kipple Snipper's a weak baby because I was dancing earlier than that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, again, if we take uh, like the dance to be this sort of like cosmic concept as a right. cosmic dancer um, is it then yeah sorry a baby being beholden to this viewpoint or this 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 way of living so soon may well be strange or maybe it's 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 the right it's like is it strange so for a baby to to like have a grasp on how to live life i guess the correct way or something like that mm-hmm. or yeah, understand to, to, how to how to gain some level of enlightenment perhaps yeah, to be what some might call maybe an old soul, like right? right. It seems like somebody who's who's done this before. Yeah, so it's like exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but then I guess the the next the next stanza yeah, slash verse. Confounding, right? Uh, I was dancing when I was eight. Is it strange to dance so late? Uh, both are repeated twice, um, or repeated once. Anyway, yeah, they say I, them twice. Uh, uh, this is almost more like. Because we talked about the, the, the like, state of being a child perhaps being important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, is it strange for an eight-year-old to, like, still be in this state? Or, like, should I grow up, perhaps? Like, am, am I being childish? Uh, yeah. So, again, eight isn't necessarily important. The age of eight specifically, I don't think. But yeah, more so the concept right. of, like, you then ask yourself... Should I, as a person who is whatever age, be doing the thing in the way I'm doing it? Or, like, is that an immature thing to do? Another concept I am very familiar with from, you know, being a teenager. Yeah, no, I think that is uh, probably the most reliable interpretation of it is, like, this this behavior, which, of course, the narrator here has been doing from the womb for eight years now, dancing. It's like, is it strange that I'm still doing this? Yeah, and like, should I be doing it in in a different way, perhaps? Uh, mm-hmm. Should I change the way I think about it? Should my mind, you know, my worry, weary worldview be destroyed and reborn? Yeah, and then of course, like you mentioned, like like that twenty year old asking if they should, if they're too old to start piano. Like even when you're eight years old, you're like, wow, I'm like I'm old now. I'm eight. I used to, you know, I used yeah. to just be seven and six. And yeah, I'm literally the oldest I've ever been. I've ever been, right? So it's like, I've, I've climbed the mountain. It's like, is it weird that I'm still doing stuff like I was doing when I was a kid? So you really do think you're far along. And maybe that's what leads into the interpretation of verse, what I call it verse, right? Like verse four. I danced myself into the tomb. Yeah. It's strange to dance so soon. Is that when you come to this point where you're nearing death, you're like, well, life isn't that long. And also reincarnation's real. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, and again, we're talking about death perhaps in a more uh, a broad sense of like just an ending. Mm-hmm. 
Because, I mean, we do later on in the song, we are reborn. But we're Damn. not there yet. Right. So is it that like <clears throat> it's the, the life, middle age, middle age being, of course, eight years old, and death of uh, whatever it might be, not necessarily just yourself and your, your corporeal body, but ideas forms this. And if you're dancing through it all, which is to say holding this sort of, I would call it a light, you know, dancing is a joyful thing. Sure. Yeah. This sort of this sort of joyful perspective on the whole process is that is that strange? Is it weird? Is it? Yeah. That would be my. I mean, I mean, so soon into the tomb, perhaps so soon is so soon after death. It, <laughs> and also, like, it's the song kind of starts to just like the time aspect kind of starts to fall away because later on, I mean, we talk again about the womb you know dancing out the womb perhaps being born again but then we talk about the tomb again and like yeah you're right we get like a technically sound timeline in the in the first four verses here yeah and And then then we just kind of we're born again and then we die again and then maybe we're born again and like the process just kind of repeats itself yeah and so maybe once you're in it enough you're you know death and birth is happening simultaneously and out of order and in order yeah all at once so um, definitely starts get, to fall apart yeah and speaking of falling apart we get the bridge in which she says is it wrong to understand the fear that dwells inside a man what's it like to be a loon i liken it to a balloon <laughs> so this uh, the bridge is what it's called in uh, ingenious um it is the only section of the song that doesn't follow the two structures we, we lined out. Uh, right. Like, all the lines are different, even though it does rhyme to a degree. Um, I guess we'll talk... I, no, we should talk about the, this in chronological order. Um, I is think, it wrong to understand yeah, the fear that dwells inside, dwells inside a man? Inside a man. Yes or no? Simple yes question. Yes or no? It's just it's just a question. It's just a question. Yes or no? There's, have you seen that? It's a like Mitchell and Webb sketch where it's like a it's like a, a, a TV show like debate, you know, like pundits debating show, uh, and it's just like one guy trying to get like yes or no answers for everything, and everyone's like, well, yeah, I don't like, know. It's it's, it's complicated yes no situation. He's like yes or no. Uh, oh fuck! What does he say? Um, he's like. So, well, there's no yes or no answer. And he's like, there's two, actually. Um, which I think is a good line. So, it, <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I have seen that one. So, here we're talking about, like, understanding again. Like, understanding uh, inner workings of the mind. Which, mm-hmm. which again, we, we discussed the idea of, like, opening your mind. And becoming pre- something perhaps greater than you were before. Right. Which seems to come up here. And then, yeah, he's saying here, because I think he he says, is it wrong to understand the fear that dwells inside a man? From this, we understand that the narrator, and presume, I'm, I'm going to say this is probably just Mark Bowen. I don't think there's any layer of <laughs> Right, of it's pretty direct. Here. Yeah, is, uh, is it wrong to understand the fear that dwells inside a man? Is it wrong to, to know and understand like negative emotions and, and perhaps mental illness and things of that nature, which I believe Mark Bowen suffered from a few? That's, that's half surprise. a shot in the dark and, and like <laughs> like half probably just a fact. But So he's, he's kind of like pushing his own statement to be like, it's not wrong to know darkness and to know fear. 
and to understand that. It's perhaps just a part of life. Yeah, and then I think the question, what's it like to be a loon, is not him asking the question, but sort of repeating a question that's maybe been asked to him. Okay. Because then he tells us what it's like. He says, I liken it to a balloon. It's like this. Yeah, I always heard it as a loon, not a a loon, and I think that makes more sense personally. Do Uh, you? Well, I guess, see, you know what? I'm realizing I, I have this maybe a little off uh because when i hear loon i'm thinking of the bird but he's not talking about the bird he's talking about Mm -hmm. like being crazy like loony yes so that makes more sense yeah and the 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 loon balloon line if it's alone i liken it to a balloon Uh yeah well that's see i'm trying to think of balloon imagery and like i can see an image of a single balloon floating off in the sky and it's alone you know uh but balloons also exist in bunches so yeah it might not be the clearest thing but i I, I think it really is a line that yeah we're not maybe supposed to draw that being crazy is like being a balloon or being like a plastic bag caught in the wind it's about (laughs) It's a. It's sim- he, He's simply. He's being a dickhead. I think here. Right? He's just. What's it like to be a loon? Well, it's hearing a sentence and then noticing that be a loon sounds like balloon. <laughs> it's just a. It's just a. It's it's a pun. It's not. Yeah, and if anything, he's saying perhaps that like that's quite carefree actually. Like because one, you can ask me this question. I can be like, ah, it's like a balloon, but also a balloon is like light and floaty and. Yeah. And somebody suggests it could just be lazy. Yeah, which, if it is, I mean, maybe, like, if it is just a play on words, then maybe that's kind of the point, right? Like, that that's one of the uh, sort of traits of, like, the fool, right? Like, they'll just mm-hmm. say a non sequitur, and, and you can't get them to be serious. So, like, they ask a, a question, it's like, what's it like... You know, what? what is insanity like, right? And then you're like, oh, I just made a joke about it. Like, <laughs> I'm not actually addressing the issue that you brought up. Yeah. He's, he's uh, you could say he's dancing around the question. Oh. Oh. But does that tie into the rest? Well, it ties into to worldviews and... Yeah. It's, and states it's, of mind it's, and stuff. Again, it's, we're in this bowling realm of like, yeah. does it mean anything? Should it mean anything? Are we looking at it too much? Are we not looking at it enough? I don't know. Yeah. It sounds nice. It sings sorry. It's like, it's somewhere between a children's rhyme and the truth. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, that's pretty much it for. Yeah. I, I guess he's got, he says, but then again, once more. Then again, once more. I mean, he does uh, dance myself out the womb. Strange to dance so soon. Uh, but then swaps out the last line with I dance myself into the tomb before just doing a dance myself at the womb section. So that's the only thing is he switches that up a little bit. Yeah. But it's all mostly it's all repetition. Yeah, it's just a it's like a repetition. It's you know, I don't know what it means ultimately. I don't know if we cracked any any hard truths in this analysis, but I Sounds think good. I think it's easier to think of in terms of like bro- broad meaning as opposed to the yeah. specifics. Yeah, I don't think you're going to hammer down exactly yeah. what he means, but yeah, broadly I think it is about uh, like this this sort of exotic religion mindset that was new and kooky and crazy in in Britain at the time. Yeah. Oh, and there's another note I have here actually because it's related mm-hmm. to that. 
about um, the the cosmic dancer stuff we were talking about. Um, according to one line, the purpose of the dance is to release the souls of all men from the snare of illusion, which um, also reminds me of like there's another T-Rex song from shortly after uh, Children of the Revolution, which is sort of tied into the revolutionary uh, ideas of, of some like hippie movements. Right. Uh, perhaps even communist. Ooh. Um, Ooh. But just the idea of like the world waking up to, to a greater consciousness and, uh, and becoming a better place. Uh, the like the fourth world, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's the same. Th- okay. It's the same terminology that's used in Shadowrun. If you, if oh you recall. yeah, the, uh, the, like the age of realm, the f- age of Aquarius. So be, I think in Shadowrun you're in the sixth realm. Sixth, I yeah, say. I think it's related to that. I don't remember the specifics. Anyway, that kind of stuff, opening your mind to to a greater thing. Yeah, I could see that. So he's he's you know he's been dancing from birth. He's been da- he's been living life without illusions. Yeah. Is that strange? Maybe. Um, you know what's not strange is the instrumentation on this. I mean, maybe it is. Eh, in parts. I mean, it manages it's, to yeah. to maintain kind of a spacey feel, for sure. Cos- yeah. Cosmic, even. Cosmic. Yeah, we start out with vocals and just a little bit of rhythm guitar, a little acoustic jam. Yeah, and the build, like it builds throughout, like it, it does add strings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I found particularly yeah. what built throughout this song was the use of this, like the space between li- lines. Okay. As you get near the end, you get these really like kind of big stings. These dun 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 dun. dun, dun. I was dancing when I was in. Rump, bump, 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 yeah, dun, it starts dun. to play a little harder when yeah. it does strum, and then you get the bigger strings because the strings do. I mean, kind of classic. You start low strings, you go high strings for more intensity. That's right. And uh, what what else is there to say? What else is there to what say? What else is there to say? You know? Yeah, it's a very slow build. build. Like a lot of it is steady. You get the drums rolling in. One of the most like tight drum rolls you'll ever hear. It's not like loud and crazy. It's just. I was dancing when I was eight. No, it's out of the womb. I don't know. I keep using eight as the as the line. But doesn't matter. Um, Here we go. Yeah, it's a very gentle build. You get a little bit of bass in the mix that comes in with there, but I think the strings, in terms of instrumentation, are the real like guiding component. Everything else kind of serves the rhythm role. The strings are the most dynamic part. Yeah, and the strings uh, they kind of also follow. Like the guitar kind of leads everything because mm-hmm. when it does its thing, other things kind of do that along with it um, right but yes the strings really do that that build and like it's very broad long sweeping strings at the start and then you know like you said a little bit a little bit harder quicker stings at the at the uh yeah and because even when we do our first big because he goes at the end of uh one verse he goes and then that's when the strings go up with him still your big long uh bows but going much higher up yeah and he does do that kind of vocalization throughout like it's a lot of the the later 
parts. Yeah. It's very interesting to hear some of the vocal tricks on this because it is very Mark Bolin who has this kind of like weird rocker affectation. I like the glam rocker identity. And that comes up in just some of his vocals, particularly near the end when we get like the backing vocals going. Oh, Which noise filter like, cut you off there. Uh, noise filter coming <laughs> right off. But you know what I'm talking about, right? I do. No, I know exactly what you're you're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, and you get some of that in this one because you know there's Bolin's Bolin in every song. Yeah, Bolin likes to rock now. Yes, he does. And uh, yes, he does. And then later on, there's like some I think reversed guitars. That's right. It, which is very strongly associated section. with like psychedelic rock is reversing yeah. instrumental tracks like that. And I would say that reversed guitar also has a tone I really associate with T-Rex. Okay. It's okay. uh it's in some ways it's just like it's just very rock and roll. It's like rock and roll classic. If rock and roll was a, a can of Coca-Cola, <laughs> it would be it would be this. This would be rock and roll classic, and everything else would be. Yeah, new, it's the T Rex tone. I, I guarantee you, you can hear it on a few. Yeah, yeah, other I'm, songs. Definitely, they definitely had a tone. Um, one thing I didn't really mention. Uh, we mentioned all the uh, all the stanzas kind of follow a very similar four line structure with some variation. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also like the same melody, no matter. Yeah. What. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, even even Again, the the exciting that, bridge, which breaks the yeah. uh, the lyrical format, is still da 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 da. Like it's it's pretty close to yeah, it. Yeah, with that a a a b a thing going on. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's 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 it. I think that's kind of that's what they do. It it does yeah. build. It does build, but really, it sticks to that sort of guitar, drums, strings. And then later on, reversed electric guitar. Yeah. And there is like a, it's more subtle on this track than on other Electric Warrior tracks, but there's a good sense of groove in there. You get some hand drumming in with that drum kit. Yeah. Like, in terms of having a bit of like a hypnotic pace to it, that's something I think T-Rex does really well. Yeah, I guess, I mean, that must be... Because we've discussed T-Rex, uh, their structure, which is basically Bolin, the guitar player, and mm-hmm. a, a percussionist. Yeah. Um, Previously a hobbit. Yeah. And then Mickey Mouse. And then Mickey Mouse. So there's perhaps more... They can focus a little more on the drums because of that. Yeah, because yeah, and they're both called percussionists. Not that not other drummers. bands don't have dedicated percussionists. Just that there's only two mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, when the dynamic is a duo, it, yeah. it changes the focus a lot, right? Yeah. But the song manages to stay light and spacey. And uh, even with all that stuff at the end, you know? Yeah. The, you barely notice, like, it's an electric guitar. It's just kind of like sounds. Mm-hmm. And, like, in, in the makeup of this album, it comes right off the, the heels of Mambo Sun. Um, and I think it's a kind of a sleeper hit, like listening to it this week and a little bit before I was like, this song is pretty fucking good, but it's 
tucked in amongst all these sort of bigger, more outrageous rock pieces. Yeah, that you can you can groove to a lot easier. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's early on. It's not, not necessarily one that I gave too much thought to or came back to specifically unless I was listening to the whole album. But it's definitely a song right. I've listened to a fair amount because it's an album I've listened to a fair amount. And it's not yeah. like it deserves to be on the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it speaks to the overall strength of the album that a, a song like this can go unnoticed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but it shouldn't, because it's a good song. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex, anything else to say about this piece? I don't think so. We got it. Yeah. New yeah, Age mysticism. Mostly just that, actually. Yeah. yeah. And strings. With that, we're going to get into these cover versions. We're going to start by talking about David Bowie or and Morrissey, or should Morrissey. I say Morrissey and David Bowie in 1991. I Yeah, it really feels more like Morrissey and David Bowie. Well, you can tell who I was more excited about because I wrote David Bowie first. I mean, that's how they're uh, credited in in this track. David hey, Bowie credited you go. first. So, but it like, so, did you watch the the live uh, recording? The, I did, yes, because it is a Morrissey. It's concert. a Morrissey it's an encore. concert, or at least he's the person on stage at the time. I don't know if David Bowie just showed up or if he was a supporting act, because I think... I don't no. believe he was a supporting act, because Bowie and I Morrissey went Morrissey on tour Morrissey supported Bowie in, at one in point. 1993. Yes, so I want to talk about... You want to talk about complex relationships in, in the rock and roll world. We got yeah, Mark Bowen and David Bowie, which was a, ultimately a loving one, and then we got Morrissey and Bowie, which <laughs> turns out to be a really... Turns unpleasant. I think it's mostly Morrissey's fault, but I'm a I'm a David Bowie fan, so you know right, I gotta right. take my uh, take my stance on this. So there's a quote from Morrissey's autobiography, a uh, a book written by himself, and he speaks about this performance. He speaks rather highly of it. He says, "At the Forum in Los Angeles, a royal David Bowie walks on stage to join him for the encore. He is stately against my last gasp is exhaustion. The twelve year old within me, unable to leave for school unless I'd soothe my sickness with at least one spin of sp- uh, one spin of Starman, bathes in the moment with disbelief." So he's he was quite excited to have him here. They had just met in 1990 in person, and then this is 91. Bowie comes out to sing a, a T-Rex classic with Morrissey. Um, they get along okay. The next thing that happens, and this was... I, I didn't know this, but uh, on the, the album Black Tie, White Noise, the, there is a Morrissey cover by, uh, by David Bowie. The song is called... Uh, I know it's going to happen someday. Mm. And Bowie covered it because the the saxophone track at the end of the original version sounds like rock and roll suicide. Okay. And then apparently nothing happened from that. There's It was just kind of a, <laughs> a mute point. I don't okay. know why this article told me about that, but I did want to point it out because I thought that was a Bowie original, the way he's saying it. Also, the article was like, and Bowie fans are ashamed of that cover because it sucks. I was like, oh, I love that song. <laughs> Uh, there's a uh, lot of very presumptuous things like that in in that sort of media, I think. Yeah, and Black Tie White Noise gets a gets a bad rap in some circles. I think it's a good album. That's pr- but I definitely like the title track. Yeah, killer. Um, then he Bowie invites Morrissey on tour, and this is where things fall apart. 
is uh, he put on Morrissey as special guest, which sounds good to me. If I was the special guest on any tour, yeah, I'm special. I'm a guest. I'm right. on a tour. But they, it led to Morrissey being like, oh, we're your, your support act tonight. And then he would you know, do his opening set, and he was very upset with it. Um, he left the tour after nine shows. Um, and he recalls later in an interview of working with David Bowie, he says, quote, you have to worship at the temple of David when you become involved with him. And then in another interview, he said Bowie is, quote, no longer David Bowie at all. Now he gives people what he thinks will make them happy, and they're yawning their heads off. And by doing that, he is not relevant. And with the scathing final words, he says he was only relevant by accident. <laughs> yeah, Morrissey is known as some, somewhat ascetic person. <laughs> Yeah, I think. Yeah, we talked about him before yeah. as part of the Smiths years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he is known to be a bit of a a cunt in, in <laughs> especially in his later years. Yeah, he's still around. He's still doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's in the proud British tradition. Him and Van Morrison of <laughs> of you know, sort of soft singing English rockers who turn out to just be fucking unbearable in person. <laughs> but he's got some solid songs. And he's got some solid songs, some solid songwriting. Usually a pretty good singer. Just just not a good guy. <laughs> yeah, and so this uh this live version of the song. It's live. It's live. And it's it's pretty they keep it pretty basic. Stripped right down. I think it's yeah. just guitar. For um, instance, I swear, I heard a, a, a tambourine strike at one point. Maybe, but it, I, I couldn't like be sure even listening to it directly. I think maybe someone just dropped something. Yeah, is that like right near the the start where it goes like <laughs> it's close to the start? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but it's really yeah, just that guitar, and I think it's a twelve string because it's very like bright and full sound. And it starts with a Morrissey is singing, and yes. then at one point in the second, like it's the second stanza, verse, um, yeah, second stanza, whatever you want to call it, um, then yeah, David Bowie like starts to harmonize in some of the some of the lines, mm-hmm. um, and then he just kind of like does more harmonizing so if you watch the video he kind of like starts in the shadows starts to sing and then walks out and everyone gets very excited yeah audibly you can hear it on the track still everybody goes "Ah!" yes in the track there's a ton of screaming from the audience and it's an exciting thing if you went to a morrissey show and lose it i mean nowadays if i went to a morrissey show and david bowie showed up i would fucking lose my mind because he's you know (laughs) dead um but yeah that that's a pretty cool thing to happen particularly in the early 90s when it was still possible um Mm -hmm. but yeah they kind of do that like they they mostly just harmonize you get morrissey singing in morrissey's voice and david boy honestly sometimes it's low harmonies sometimes it's high harmonies because he can do that that's right and uh sometimes their timing is a little weird though yeah and i don't know if that's on purpose or not yeah, I. <laughs> at first, it sounds like it's on purpose. I think when you get past like the the two minute twenty second mark, it sounds a little less on purpose. And there's also times when like David Bowie will like miss the first word or something. Yeah, which I guess because he's the harmony, maybe it's fine. But I mean, it doesn't sound bad. I don't think. Um, but no. yeah, there is that there, and it it's a strange thing. 
it is a strange thing. This this one really is. I mean, it's sort of more novel than it is like. Yeah, incredible. like it'd be cool to see live for sure. Uh, oh like yeah, you said and they they change the structure a little bit, not not a whole lot, and you don't really notice. Uh, but they mm-hmm. they repeat the the what's called in in genius the bridge a little right. it's a little bit more of a, like a chorus here because it gets repeated and it's kind of the different part even though it's not that much different practically yeah that's you know really like this song is sort of like loose in its structure yeah. as it is but like it's cool they're really two quite idiosyncratic voices which mark bolin is as well um mm-hmm. but them to hear them harmonizing on on a song is actually it's pretty cool it is pretty cool i would have liked to heard a studio version of this maybe yeah a little more rehearsal and more takes yeah a little more flush in the instrumental section you know something extra just to ground it and just yeah maybe a crisper laying of the vocal tracks but it's it's definitely a cool thing yeah that and exists. Uh, it, that exists in this world, and you can hear it. You can hear it on Spotify or on YouTube. Yeah. Um, worth noting in the the concert footage, there's like a man in the beginning who somehow makes it onto stage twice and like kisses Morrissey. Yeah, right on the cheek. Yeah, that's a bit much, guy. Yeah, that's uh, it's not cool, man. Worth noting, a lot of people threw flowers at him though. Um, which, if you recall, this charming man, when the we talked about him, he, he whips man. around a bouquet in that, in that video. I wonder if that's a, a like staple. The floor is covered in flowers. That's right. Yeah, maybe that was a thing they did with the band to reference that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is kind of a neat novel performance. It makes you wonder what could have been if Morrissey was less of a cunt. But <laughs> in terms of... Uh, better for whatever reason. Yeah, in terms of anything else, like it's... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's not much to it, but as yeah, as, as a live thing, it'd be cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that are also kind of cool, we're talking about Shakespeare's sister again, 2012. I dance myself into the tomb. I dance myself into the tomb. Is it Shakespeare's sister, which we talked about? Shakespeare's sister uh, a while back yes. um, for I'll Be Your Mirror, but not the album, the song. <laughs> I love that we get to do that all the time now. Um, it's coming up more than I uh, expected, honestly. Uh, so Shakespeare's yeah. sister, they're uh, a, a duo. Mm-hmm. Um, Siobhan Fahey and Marcella Detroit. Uh, apparently... Uh, or, or they were, they were, more, I guess, initially active in the late '80s, and they must have had more success in the UK because I saw, like, I looked them up, and there was like a performance of them on on the Graham Norton show, not in the '80s okay. or anything. I don't, I don't yeah. think it's been around that long. Um, but it was, he was like playing for the first time in like was it 27 years? A long time, like some hit they had, right? Okay. But like, I don't yeah. know any of their material. I've never oh, heard it's of probably, them. I think their most popular one is Stay, which I don't actually know. Yeah, that was it. That was it. Because I already know Pink not, Floyd's Stay and it's and not also David, David Bowie's, Bowie's Stay. Stay. It's definitely not those. <laughs> which are both bangers, but uh, no, we're talking about Shakespeare's Sister. I think we gave them at least best or 
weirdest for I'll Be Your Mirror. I don't remember. And this is off that, that same album, though. Yeah, I, I looked I looked at the, which is actually called Cosmic Dancer. Called Cosmic Dancer, yeah. Um, I looked at my old notes, and I listened to the their version of I'll Be Your Mirror again, and there's a lot more going on in that one than this one. A hundred percent. Um, we're gonna see a theme of this as I people yeah. kind of struggle to 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 do anything with it. The space, yeah, to do anything with this song. Um, I thought I had put together like a a pretty knockout playlist, and then I came to listen to it. I was like, "Oh fuck, what are we gonna do for <laughs> for talking about these?" Because they are all kind of safe, kind of loose, and yeah. there's not like a whole lot of interesting hooks or things. There's a couple. That said, the performances themselves aren't bad. We're talking about a pretty competent group here this week. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Competence true. alone does not a good cover make. Um, but really, like, this is, again, done kind of with the guitar and yeah. the singing. And, like, it, they're a duo, so I assume one's singing and one's playing guitar. Yeah. Um, but there's not a whole lot going on other than that. Like it's a good, like this guitar sounds good. It's a very warm sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, there's a kind of an interesting echo that you can only hear like at the beginning of the stanzas, which doesn't make sense to me mechanically, but you, it's there. Um, yeah. And they've added kind of a guitar solo, which really just plays the guitar parts from the original. Um, but other than that, I was surprised that this is the title track of the album. Yeah, it seems like a weird thing to hang your hat on. Because again, not bad, but I would yeah. go to the I'll Be Your Mirror cover nine times out of ten before I went to this one. Yeah, that one was much more interesting. And this one is just very straightforward. Um, there's one point where mm-hmm. they mess like in their first, I say first verse, where it, they kind of put a bunch of lines together. They say, I was dancing when I was 12, I was dancing when I was out, I was dancing right out the womb, is the stranger dance so soon? Which is, like, totally mixed up. So I expected the rest of it to also be mixed up. But it's not. But it wasn't. It's not. Yeah. They just kind of do it straight after that. So, yeah, it's... It's not much, it's not much going on in this one, in my opinion. No. But it's, it sounds nice. It's not the only one that sounds nice. No, it's yeah, it's like it's pleasant sounding. I do like the the warm sound of the acoustic guitar. Um, while we're talking about weird lyrics, I think she says the fear that dwells inside the man. Yes, the man specifically. So maybe it's more of a punk thing. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Or if you just said the man, but like the man has, I feel like that specific con- connotation. Whereas a man could be loosely, you know, man in general, even human, like. But yeah, the right. man conjures to minds big corporations, and <laughs> but nothing else, of course, lends itself to a, a more punk rock interpretation of this song. True. Um, but yeah, you're right. I don't know if there is much else. They do have the backing vocals. Yeah, which again, like, sounds nice, and like they keep it simple and they keep it spacey. Uh, but they don't do much else with it. No. So it, it ends up sounding kind of like a, an update version, I guess. Like we, we kind of, we have better recording technology. Yeah. So we can, we can play a soft guitar and still have it sound pretty loud. Yeah. But even then, like, it's very stripped down because it's That's just right. the guitar strumming. So compared to some other stuff that I would consider like an update, I don't know. It just doesn't like do much to, to anchor it into any time yeah, period, I guess. which is what I would usually think of. At, think of with an update. With an update. Sure. You may be right. 
So, yeah, and I think there are other ones we're going to talk about which are more of an update than this. So I'll agree to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, what's not stripped down is the Joel Jerome and Cosmic Bears version in 2017. Very true. Um, so there's not a ton of info on on these uh, two names, but as far as I can tell, Cosmic Bears is basically Jill Jerome's backing band for this album specifically. Um, yes, and Jill Jerome, I I looked him up. Uh, his bio said he likes to record lots of things, uh, and he's always recording. And there was some promo material that referred to him as uh la's behind the scenes indie king yeah i think i hit all those same marks so he's basically a working producer musician etc and that's what he's doing here he's doing more work yeah this is uh so him and cosmic bears um apparently this was this whole album was recorded after just three rehearsals the length of those rehearsals, nobody knows. But nobody hey. knows. Maybe not even them. They, he really pushes Joel Jerome. That is uh, the, I guess, persona of like someone who uses a lot of cannabis. Yeah, that lives in certainly LA. comes that's through like, in the music video. That's part of his his uh, his look thing. Um, but this one did change it quite a bit. They filled it out quite a bit, quite significantly. They really did. Um, I and would say. A, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I would just say, like, more so than the other one, like, the last couple were very much stripped down, and this is really, like, kind of extrapolating from the strings and just filling it out with other stuff. Yeah, it starts with, like, a a solid 30 seconds, at least, of uh, instrumentals. Might be closer to a minute. But it's just, like, a loose jam, and I would say that's the T-Rex element they they amplify is the groove. Like yeah, it sounds it sounds more like version. a different T Rex song in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, they almost the, it's almost like their approach was what if this was more like other tracks on Electric Warrior, but also yeah. with with more modern soundscaping tools. Yeah, which is a cool cool way to approach it. Feels a lot yeah, funkier. I, the guitar is playing kind of a funkier riff. Um, still have strings, but they do more later on, and yeah, much more of that funky rhythm. Mm-hmm. Groovy. Oh, and also bigger, right at the beginning, there's like yes. inhalation sounds. It sounds like cannabis use once again. My boy's using cannabis out here. Yeah. Dangerous. Dangerous I've, deci- I've decided to say cannabis. I, I don't know if that's a good decision, but I'm trying it out. Um, like I'm not saying marijuana. I'm not saying pot. I don't know if that's, yeah, good or what, but I'm trying it out. Yeah, it's it's no longer it no longer identifies you as a narc to say cannabis because it's right. what they use in the legal that's industries like, yeah, that's as the, well. The official title, so, yeah, I and I think that is the I think that's the best choice unless you come from that that lifestyle of being like I'm smoking pot with the boys. We're gonna have a little marijuana, some ganja, some reefer. Like that's yeah. not your background, so I think cannabis right. is a good clean safe take. All right, yeah, that's what I'm going with. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's what I used to, but I. In the you're in the industry. I'm in the industry, so you know. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff in the in that intro part, uh, and even like kind of a guitar solo early on before that first first slash stanza. 
Yeah, we get like kind of just like it grooving down a bit. Yeah, so definitely a lot more of like an open jam kind of thing. Yeah, kind of sound. Um, once you get into those vocals, very echoey. Lots of effects on that. It's really like like neo psychedelia. Yeah, I will say. Whereas uh, in the original, it feels like the the lyrics are supported by the instrumentation. Here, it kind of becomes part of everything with that echo and everything. Like later in the track, as we go to the outro, we will just get echoes of different vocals happening constantly. It becomes much more a part of the soundscape than supported by it. Okay. Yes, That's- that makes sense. Yeah, it's all kind of uh, more of more of one thing. Um, but yeah, it kind of continues in that way. Sorry, I'm looking at my recording because we just hit the time where typically my recording stops. Right. And it hasn't stopped, so I have no idea what's going on. Okay. Well, you changed that sample rate. I did change that sample rate, which shouldn't affect the quality of the audio audibly. Okay. Because I didn't, like, make it really low. I made it, like, not really high. Right. Yeah. Anyway. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see. I'll keep an eye on it. Keep I'm, an eye on right her. There. I'm watching it. I'm watching you. You bastard. All right. <laughs> Uh, but they keep a lot of elements, like they keep the like ah, uh, and most of the structure mm-hmm. and stuff, and it's mostly just they're adding a lot of extra stuff. Um, they also um, do that kind of bluesy thing where you like will sing the line and play guitar in between lines. Um, right. Yeah. But it also sort of falls apart because they'll do that for the first two lines in a stanza, and then the back half they'll just completely play over everything, which right. is maybe part of what you were saying about everything kind of being more one thing yeah rather than distinct like backing track this guy's up front this guy's back here do some guitar do some kind of thing yeah but uh yeah that's kind of that's that's this one it's just it's very busy they've managed to keep it fairly chill though Mm -hmm. um and then musically, it feel, has more of that feeling of like constant stanzas with refrains because they sort of have that front half blues thing and then back half, everything is together. Yeah, it manages to be like a, a fairly rich piece. It's a little, it's about a minute longer than the original. Yeah. I don't think it drags too much in that space. There's quite an outro. That, yeah. Um, and quite an intro. And quite an intro. So like really, like the, the lyrics start at a minute and they end at like... 320 or something and then everything mm-hmm. after that is is just more playing and that's like two minutes yeah and still so, rooted in cosmic dancer elements because we get those backing oz we yeah. get some echoed lines of him going when i was when i was when i was when i was yeah it still feels like cosmic dancer for sure and feels like yeah. what they've created around cosmic dancer even though they kind of do the like uh the echoes start to like lasts longer and then it starts to sort of uh create more cacophony yeah which is a pretty common technique in a lot of music you know to build yeah, that intensity is. and they do that uh and then of course it it cuts down at one point down to like vocals with a bit of echo because yeah. again that's what you do you build everything up you got this crazy sound in your ears and then cut down cut take it all away very quickly it's a yeah common production technique 
We've talked about it quite a bit. And we've talked about it quite a bit just now, and it works good here. Possibly too much. Too much. Maybe. Should I keep... Okay, Alex, I don't want to hear about the history of decaying sounds. Yeah. Because I'm sure you good. could talk I wasn't, about it for I wasn't a long gonna, time. I wasn't going to tell you. But I do want to hear what you thought about this music, music video. Music video? Um, it's kind of amusing. It's just like an older guy gallivanting around L.A. Hey, gallivanting? We've done a music video about that. <laughs> yeah, he seems to be gallivanting. He's, he's, got, he's got like an open button up. And really, really baggy jeans and like a big belt buckle. And he's kind of, he walks around, he dances a lot. Yeah, he's the cosmic dancer. Um, he, it's, he eats a leaf at one point. Yeah, um, he eats the leaf of some random tree at one point. Yeah. And he's like, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. He, we see he, some he shots of pot plants. someone's dirty car in the dirt. That's right. Lots of shots of pot plants. Lots of shots of pot cannabis plants. Cannabis leaves. Or, or cannabis leaves, pardon me. Um, and then if he eventually gets to this backyard party. We see a shot of the backyard party with the watermelon uh, pinata at the start. And then he eventually <laughs> right. gets there. They blindfold him and then he cracks the pinata open. With a cane. Yeah. Probably the coolest thing of this video is near the end when he's dancing and then a a mail truck goes backwards through the shot? Oh, I missed that part. Because then you're like, oh my god, he's dancing in backwards motion. Oh yeah. Which I guess, I mean, in the original they had reversed guitars, so it's kind of on brand. Yeah, kind of on brand. But yeah, that's the video directed by one Annie Hardy. Yeah. Oh, the other thing about as they get near the end and that reversing shot as well, uh, the frame rate like is reduced significantly. Yeah. So it's very choppy, and that kind of coincides with the um, increased um, like echoes and cacophony in the track. Right. And we. Yeah. That exactly. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. Let's talk about Valerie June in 2019. Talk about Valerie June a bit. Uh, Valerie June's from Memphis, uh, Tennessee, not uh, Egypt. Not Egypt. And has, uh, according to the Wikipedia, just a lot of associations with like Southern American music styles. Yeah, folk, yep. blues, gospel, soul, country, yeah. Appalachian, and bluegrass. Bluegrass, so all that, all that folky stuff. American. Apparently, Bob Dylan likes her. So cool. Um, sure, she's got some good sounds. But I gotta say, with that as a description of like her background, I didn't really get that from this version. Yeah, this version is song. a little different. Before we hop right into it, I do have a quote on her on the meaning of the song. Okay. Uh, Valerie says, Cosmic Dancer to me is a reminder that we don't have to waste energy saying, shut the hell up to any voice telling us that our light is not needed. We came to Earth to shine. We were called to radiate. There is one true belief that we should spend our entire lives dancing in the light. She also says, to know a song's meaning is like trying to count the grains of sand on an oceanside beach. Even when I write a song, the meaning seems to be like a chameleon that changes with the years. Yeah, because I don't think that uh, we got, or I don't think I got the same thing out of the song that she did. But, yeah, I didn't even land close I mean, to it, but... I mean, it's just as valid. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's just as valid. Because um, I mean, the song is so. kind of vague and spacey enough. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. This doesn't sound like a folk blues gospel soul country Appalachian bluegrass. No, this sounds a lot more, I guess, straightforward in like the pop vein to me. Yeah. And she does. I'll give her this. Her voice has twang to it. Undeniable it twang. It does. That her voice does bring it. You can like her accent. You can definitely hear that. Yeah. Um. And and she's definitely has a southern sound to her voice. Mm-hmm. Uh. But in terms of like the way the instrumentation goes, it also it's it starts off like it seems like it's going to be sparse like the other ones. Uh, it's just this piano, and I really like that plinky sound with the piano with this song. Yeah, uh, and I think like, that sounds great. But unfortunately, it kind of drops the plinkiness. Mm-hmm, yeah, it and, starts and to the, get the more piano, full with the piano. Yeah, the piano gets a little deeper, which is fine. sounds fine. I just kind of liked that, that higher register. Um, but the cover itself is actually probably one of the more, if not the most, straightforward structurally uh because it does a lot of the same things that happened in the original uh it, she even has the and then again once more line right. later on um and then and then it has like the backwards guitars at the end so really it's a very straight cover this one feels more like an update to me right yeah and even like the acoustic guitar sounds almost exactly the same as the original mm-hmm um, yeah, you get some low rumbling of strings. That's the thing I would say is less strings in this one. Yes. Yeah. They play to a lower register much more than they play to that high register we get in the original. Yeah, they stay a little more, like, ambient. Yeah. But there's a little um, bit does, of strings. There's a little bit. Yeah, there's still a bit high. of strings. In, in the parts particular where she does the, like, ah, like, just vocalizations, right. there's some higher strings in there. Yeah. So we do get a little more, like, ambient, like, sound profiles here than the, the just straight rhythm section. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, yeah, you're right, it's pretty straight. She gets some vocal harmonies. Um, yeah, yeah which even I think time is just wise, like this her own voice. In five seconds of the original, like, yeah, it is her own voice doing those harmonies. Sounds like it kind of splits. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. Yeah. Yeah. Not a wildly interesting version. Not a bad version either. No, but I, think, I don't think so. I I, I think just... I agree with you, and I'm disappointed that there wasn't more emphasis on that plinkiness. Yeah, and and maybe like like I said when I read her like bio it seemed like oh that she was inspired by all these other genres expecting more of that mm-hmm. but it, it turned out fine it turned out fine and honestly like her voice is probably the most interesting part of this yeah um because this i mean it being a mark bolin sung song um there's a Space for an idiosyncratic singer to come in. I'm gonna have I already say idiosyncratic. You I wanted, did. Yeah, I like I like that word. That's my word of the day. Idio. I, I feel like I've got to Google it. Relating to idiosyncrasy, peculiar or individual? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's basically I'm just saying unique, but with more syllables. Unique. Okay. I because I would have used the phrase. This, this, there's room for for little freaks and goblins, is what I would have said. <laughs> little freaks and goblins. <laughs> Uh, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a very, very straight cover. 
It is, yeah. I like her her vocalizations on the outro though. That sort of they're nice. Ah, they're pleasant. Speaking of pleasant versions, though, we're gonna move on to Nick Cave in 2020. Dance myself right out the womb. I dance myself right out the womb. Nick Cave, yeah. Have we talked about Nick Cave? I don't. Not as in art. Like he's we haven't talked up, about at least in research. I don't know yeah. if he's done, we've done a cover of his. Well, I'll tell you this though. I don't think he, we this have. is this is from a tri- tribute album called uh, I think Angel Headed Hipster tribute to T Rex, <laughs> right? And Mark Bolan. All T Rex. Um, that tribute album is of course produced by Hal Wilner, who recently passed in 2020. Also the producer of All Be Your Mirror, not the song the album oh right yeah, yeah, yeah yes we talked about him um overall he um kind of a, a slowed down version with a bit of like a darker edge on it yeah it's he's known that, like, for that darker edge yeah. so nick cave's an australian singer songwriter author screenwriter composer and sometimes actor uh known for being the front man of nick cave and the bad seeds and yeah he's known for the, this sort of darker emotive rock yeah and like his his voice definitely um uh supports that you know he's uh, he's in his 60s now i think like he's a little older now because he's been around mm-hmm. yeah he's like 64 um he's been around since the 70s uh performing and yeah uh, some older artists get seem to get like you know like kind of a depth in their in their voice and he has that i don't know if he had it in his earlier career or what but uh you definitely get that from this performance mm-hmm. um But this one, it's got, like, it's a little more orchestration. He starts with, like, sparser piano, like, kind of just the piano. And then the orchestration comes in. So you get, like, some higher strings uh, doing, like, that fast bowing thing. And then more and more orchestration comes in. And there's some, uh, what's it, woodwinds as well. Yeah, I would say that was the real interesting segment to me is when we get to that big instrumental and we get that woodwind up front and center. Yeah, it's like a woodwind solo. I think clarinet, I think. I don't or, know enough about woodwinds like to... This, I looked up the difference between a clarinet and a bassoon. Uh, and they're, or an oboe, rather, not a bassoon. Uh, I forgot to look up bassoons. Uh, oboes have uh, two reeds and they sound brighter. Oh. Anyway, um... <laughs> Just a little factoid, a little factoid there for you. A, a, but yes, this factoid. one, this one also has an instrumental section, which Shakespeare's sister did. But this one is, That's yeah, right. like kind of like a small band thing going on where they have woodwinds and they have strings and they have yeah those two things basically um, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's uh yeah, like you mentioned, more orchestral, a lot of uh, restraint in this version. Um. Like the drums are quiet, even the strings with their tenseness, they don't really like fill the space. They're really everything's held back a little in this. Yeah, it it keeps it low, keeps it low throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely made me think of like Leonard Cohen in mm. terms of he's probably a be- he's a better singer uh, than Leonard Cohen <laughs> for uh, sure, but um, definitely had that kind of slight darkness yeah that that world weary singer yeah yes exactly 
exactly. So that's what it made me think of. Um, and yeah, and most of the back half is instrumental. Mm-hmm. They throw in another uh, stanza in there, but then really, yeah, just a lot of that instrumental stuff. Yeah, and they, of course it swells pretty big there. Um, you get and, bowing violins that increase intensity a bit in that ending se- segment. Yeah, and I mean, this one is also the longest version. It's even longer than the Joel Jerome version mm-hmm. by like another 30 seconds. So they have, even though they don't do the intro, they have a quite quite an outro. Quite an yeah. instrumental section there. I think my big note would be get me more of that clarinet throughout. Give me, I like that. Boom, 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 more boom, woodwinds. Boom, boom, boom. More woodwinds in there. Um, yeah. Mix that in a little more. And then maybe we don't need this to be six minutes long. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not. I, I didn't um, think it was too long, honestly. Or Fair anything. Enough. I kind of like the, the sounds there. Yeah, it's, uh, again, I feel like a lot of these. Uh, a lot of these covers today suffer from not knowing how to break free from the original in an interesting way. And I don't think Nick Cave necessarily achieves it, but he also achieves a pretty nice sound throughout. It's a, it's a good vibe. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't break through the surface. You know, it doesn't to break out of the atmosphere and give me something crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Basically there's not nothing crazy, but, uh, more, it, it definitely feels like, um, a different thing like this is the adaptation right yeah i did, wouldn't say they didn't do enough that's for sure for sure yeah it's a it's a move in a different direction yeah and we're going to move in a different direction to talk yeah. about our last cover of the day the kills in 2021 the kills. Who are the English American rock duo? We talked about Vivian Hotel. That's right. We talked about them on Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> That's right. I knew we had talked because I was reading their bio on Wikipedia, and I was like, I know this fucking story. They sent tapes to each other when. Oh, I re- I remember talking about that. I do. Yeah. Um. So Allison Vivi Mosshart does lead vocals for this duo. She's also known as the lead vocalist for the Dead Weathers. Uh, Jamie Hotel hints is the guitarist. Another half. Wait, of this the duo. Dead Weathers, but not the Dead Weather, right? Yeah, because it can't be the Dead Weather, because that's fucking uh, what's his name? Oh my gosh, Jack White. <laughs> okay, that. So there's a Dead Weathers and a Dead Weather. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I'm seeing here that. Allison Mossart is a member of the Dead Weather. The Dead Weather is a super group. Oh, maybe she's just a member of that, and I only know one Dead Weather song. Oh, it's the same band. Maybe. Yeah, it's the same band. Cool. All right, never mind. All good. Yeah, I was pretty sure it was. Yeah, okay. Doesn't matter. We solved this, this crisis. Cool. All right. Same band. Neat. Anything else about, um, the, about the duo? No, no real bio information. This was made. Uh, this song was made in collaboration with Amazon Music. Technically in 2020 for some reason, but late 2020, so we're counting as 2021. Okay, fair enough. That's that's all I got for you. Cool, cool. Um, this one definitely starts to deviate a little more. Um, yeah. Maybe not as much as Joel Jerome. Uh, they try to 
kind of keep it sparse at the start. It's something we've seen before. Start with like piano chords and then bring in some other stuff. But there's some interesting things they bring in, like like drums, like a fairly heavy drums. Yeah. That just kind of continue throughout. Just ooh, ooh, tsh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, the drums bring in a real like staccato element in notes that'll be replicated in the other instruments that come in this. Dum, dum, yeah, which makes it feel quite a bit different. Uh, yeah, more with, abrasive than any yeah. other version. It's and the drums are like quite loud in the track too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a uh, there's a lot of that going on. Um, and she's got her sort of like processed vocals that like a little bit of electric decay around them. Yes. Yes. So you got that, I guess, like lo-fi sound. I mean, w- their story is like they sent tapes back and forth in modern day when they could have just emailed yeah. a file, right? So like they clearly have that kind of analog thing going on. And she, you know, works with Jack White. So there's <laughs> probably that too uh, yeah, is, it's, is a it's, hint. It's, that she yeah, they're in that lo-fi love and circle. Technology. Um, but uh, I can actually, there's some cool stuff they do uh, with the structure because in those first couple, there's sort of uh, the be- the the front half of the of the stanza they'll do just the piano. Yeah, uh, and then in the back half, they put some like these harsh sounds. Um, mm-hmm. So, which just kind of sound like these. Well, one of them sounds like kind of a tape effect. Uh, it's got like a cyclical sound that you yeah. hear in, in tape effects uh, that are sort of a short loop of tape. Um, but it's like really faded. So it's just kind of like a like a hum. And then there's this right. like strained guitar sound too, which is like, which is I think faster if I'm remembering it correctly. Yeah, I uh, think you're correct. Yeah, it kind of plays like an arpeggio. It might be might be a synthesizer. Yeah, it's tough. It's pretty uh it's pretty processed. It's a lot of effects on it, but Yeah. Yeah. A lot of heavy effects on that stuff. Um mm-hmm. they also their harmonies are kind of neat because it's like uh it's the presumably uh hotel, Jamie hints. Yeah. Um yes. it's kind of doing like a like that like saw a close mic whispering the lines so they're layered in that way yeah that's an interesting harmony approach going low yeah rather than going high yeah and uh um, we get another interesting vocal trick oh. later in the track with the that's sort of like electronic ghost voice let me find a marker for you yeah where's that um, ghost voice like 307 Later on in the song. Yeah, 307, you get that. It's like the echo effect around her. Yeah, where it's like it's like an imperfect echo. Like it's yeah. an echo, but it's really, um, you said decayed. I think that's a pretty good way of saying it. Like, like you can barely make out what was being said, but it, unless it's played right next to it kind of thing. Exactly. Spooky stuff. Yeah, so lo-fi, lo-fi. Lo-fi. Um, but they also kind of do the like cacophonous build that we've seen, you know, as more sounds build, the things start to clash yeah. uh, and things start to like repeat in that way. And then cut down, of course, got to cut down, right? Of course. Yes. Uh, and then 
sort of the whole thing sort of starts to fall apart as the piano is like more filtered and everything's more filtered you sort of lose that high end and then there's just a ton of echo on the vocals yeah buddy so there's a little bit you know it's it's a little noisy it's pretty lo-fi and spotify right after i listened to this it was the end of the playlist so spotify Mm -hmm. played um venus and furs and that felt appropriate that felt right based on the sound so if that means anything to you um, something to me alex then uh then that's (laughs) that's something i thought nice yeah pretty neat version especially in comparison to the some of the rest of these which are a little safer than this yeah with that let's get into our final verdicts alex we got three categories today we got the best version the worst version and the version you would play at a dance party at a dance party yeah buddy um what's the worst version of this alex uh i'd say shakespeare's sister i mean not all of them were very successful or did anything super interesting with it. I just found Shakespeare's sister really did the stripped down thing and not much else. And it didn't really elevate it in any way. Like the vocal wasn't that interesting on top of that. Like it didn't really have anything going for it for me. Mm. So it's got to be Shakespeare's sister. That's fair. I'm going to be controversial. I'm going to give it oh. to David Bowie and Morrissey. That's I can see that for the same much the same reasons. <laughs> yeah, it's not and like I I can't tell if their 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 vocal canon was like on purpose or not. Right. I don't know if they were out of sync on purpose or just bad at getting in sync. Um I like conceptually I like it. I like David Bowie. I like some of Morrissey's stuff. But it's just uh it was, it's it's you had to be there for it, I think. You have to be there in the room and go, Oh my god. Yeah. That's David yeah. Bowie. Definitely. Very exciting thing. Honestly, if I had been there for that, it would have made my fucking life. Yeah, it would probably be my favorite <laughs> anything ever. But But yes, it's not there. it's not the most interesting cover to listen to. Yeah, so that's that's why it's my worst album. Other than for like their specific voices singing this specific song. That's really Yeah, the, it just m- made drum. me want like a real cover of it by them. Yeah. That's that's it. All right, Alex, best version? Best version. You know, I think my best version was probably the Joel Jerome Cosmic, it's cut off, Cosmic Bear. Yeah, Cosmic Bears. Bears, right. Yeah, I, I wrote yeah. down, I searched Cosmic Beans, which is apparently another thing by accident, okay. but because I read it wrong. Um probably their version it's it's a lot busier but that's fine it feels like we said more like it's just a different t-rex song um or but it's also this song and they seem to keep it consistent enough and i think it has a pretty cool sound uh with that sort of neo-psychedelia influence as well yeah and I, uh I yeah good overall fairly long but that gives you time to just jam around and it does have much more of like a loose jam feeling to it and yeah, i think with can... the like vague lyrics it kind of fits right into a loose jam like it almost seems like they could just be meaningless improvised lyrics so they could be they're not but they they could yeah. be but yeah i agree i think joel jerome the cosmic bear is really bring a like a fun and interesting take to this it's uh, yeah, it's the most exciting one of all these. It's got the most dense soundscape. Um, it is a bit loose in its vibe, but I think that plays with the general vibe of the original. 
Yeah, it's a good time. It's got a fun little music video with it. Yeah. Good stuff. Alex, it's time to get the get the dance floor bumping. Get the dance floor bumping. <laughs> How are you going to do it with How the song Cosmic it? Dancer? It would be hard to get the dance floor bumping with Cosmic Dancer. No matter what happens. But you could still get people dancing, maybe just a little slower. Yes. Um, and, and I haven't done this in a while, but I, I think I, I think I got to p- pick the original. Mm. Because uh, to me, it's like, it's the clearest. Like, I wouldn't want to play any, like, the David Bowie slash Morrissey or the Shakespeare sister version, because that's just, like, not appropriate for the dance floor. Uh, I, I guess some of the ones with percussion, like, or more more stuff like Joel Jerome or the the kills would would maybe fit um but i think ultimately the one that would that that has the clearest um mood that would get people feeling chill and and slow dancing i guess would be the yeah. original i think it has to be the original i think that's right i think it's a loose like a sort of free form slow dance so you tuck it into the middle of your playlist sort of Slightly guide people towards it, and then boom, you got T Rex yeah. Cosmic Dancer going. People are like, Oh, fooling around a little bit. I'm gonna go in a different direction, also slow. I'm gonna say Nick Cave. This is a formal slow dance. Oh, if you don't know how to fucking dance, get off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta know your shit. It's, it's gonna be the two if people who came to the, the dance in, in like suits, you know, in like tuxes and fancy dresses or whatever. And they're, it's their turn to have the floor. Nobody else gets it. <laughs> yeah, they got one song, and it's yeah. Cosmic Dancer cover by Nick Cave. <laughs> by Nick Cave. Come back in six minutes when we're playing I Want to Dance with Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's it. That's our final verdicts. If you've got a different opinion, similar opinion, want to talk about a version we didn't talk about, Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guy. You can also email us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. Communicate with us. Tell us what's going on. Be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. And tell your friends and enemies and lovers about us, because we don't know them. We don't know how to reach them. That's it. That's the whole episode of Cover Me, everyone. Thank you all for joining us. And as we always say on cover me is it wrong to understand the fear that dwells in cover me